This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 249, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, February the 25th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 249. That's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, February the 25th. Uh, let's just jump right in. There was a ton of comics that came out last week, and uh, I've been so busy with life uh, that unfortunately I only got a chance to talk, to uh, read a small cross-section of them, So, but I will jump in and uh, get right to it. Um, so I, I always say this, but I think this will be a little bit of a shorter episode than normal. Uh, don't worry though, we have an extra-sized episode coming out soon on either Thursday or Friday this week. We're going to have our conversation with Scott Lubdell. Um, we were able to get him on the, on the show and on the podcast for episode 250, and I think it's going to be really exciting. Uh, in the next month and a half to two months, we're also going to be having interviews with Tom DeFalco, Nick Patara, and um, well, welcoming back Nick Patara. Uh, we have Tom DeFalco is going to be on in a couple weeks, and also in April we're going to have Fabian Nicieza on as well. Or Nicheza. I guess I'll have to ask him how to pronounce his name uh, correctly. Anyway, so we've got some really interesting and exciting things coming forward in the next couple months. Um, we haven't done a lot of creator interviews before on the podcast, and I wanted that to change. So um, Scott LaBelle is our second professional. And as I said, we're going to have Nick Patara back on the show soon. He, I think he was last on episode 176, which would have been last year. So he's going to be on soon to talk about the uh, upcoming Manhattan Project's um, miniseries that we're finally getting uh, in, to kind of replace, not replace, but well, basically to take the place of the ongoing that was previously coming out. So let's just jump into some comics that came out this past week. First up, we have Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, this is number 15, or really it was the epilogue to Spider-Verse. Um, I will tec- technically an epilogue. It's pretty important just because it gets pieces back on the kind of wraps everything up in a more full manner that the uh, the main series didn't or sorry the main miniseries didn't that being said can't say I really liked it all that much to be honest um, it just felt like a lot of the same it just felt very clunky um, spending sending spider girl back home and finding out that her you know her um, her, her brother and her mom and her boyfriend are still alive but her dad's still dead and Uncle Ben's going back with her, and she's going to, I guess, wear Spider-Man's costume instead of uh, Ben Riley's costume. It felt a little too pat and neat. Sending everyone kind of back home, again, felt a little too simple. Um, uh, Otto Octavius ruining the web of life, again, felt very put upon. Uh, Julia Carpenter finally coming out, uh, coming out of her... Um, her uh, coma felt very forced as well. The idea that you know the web is unraveling and it's not going to be as easy for them to travel anymore. Uh, Otto's fight with Peter felt forced and not nearly what it should have been. Um, seeing um, what's his name? Um, oh, now I forget his name. Karn kind of becoming the new Master Weaver, or really the old Master Weaver, depending on how you look at it. Um, it just it didn't. It doesn't feel like Spider-Man. It just felt very again. Uh, it felt like it was just kind of trying to connect the dots, but not in a way that actually made a lot of sense or was even that interesting. Uh, the fact that we're kind of leading into um, a sequel, miniseries of sorts during Secret Wars, I, again, I didn't find that interesting. Uh, the idea that maybe Kane's still alive, um, again, I found that in, uninteresting. It was I didn't like how they just kind of dispatched him in this series anyway. Having Silk and Spider-Woman then spun off into their own books, uh, their own current arcs, felt again a little um the the entire thing just felt a little painful and it felt very artificial and 
Uh, even though Kim McCauley did a great job on art, uh, Slot's story I found very just kind of just you know it was trying to get something done as opposed to doing a good job by the characters it was trying to end everything and and tie everything up but i don't think it was actually that satisfactory in terms of giving me a good issue of a comic um you know just because it's paid by numbers doesn't make it a comic and it wasn't so i'm gonna give it a five out of ten uh i'm being a little harsh on slot but i just wasn't a big fan of spider-verse and this big epilogue i wasn't a big fan of either uh, next up is Amazing X-Men number 17. Now, I think, to be honest, of all the X-Books going on right now, this one has got to be one of my favorites. Um, I'm just liking the tone. Yost uh, wrote this with Jorge Fornes on art. Um, it's Once in Future Juggernaut part 3 of 4. I like that it's not an overly long storyline. It's four issues. is actually pretty ideal. It's six. Sometimes it just feels way too long. Uh, you have Kane Marco here. Uh, you have Colossus coming to entering the fray. Everyone's kind of after uh, the Juggernaut power. Uh, maybe not to actually become the Juggernaut, but in sort of to kill off the Juggernaut or stop anyone else from being able to become the Juggernaut or harness that power. Um, very cool. Seeing the very end with uh, the living monolith becoming the Juggernaut is kind of a, a really cool concept. I don't know how they're going to finish it in just one issue, but um, really dug this. It was, it was fast-paced. It was brisk. Um, the characters were really well drawn, uh, not just artistically, but also just in the script. Like they were really well um formed and I really got a sense of who everyone was and uh, seeing all the mercenaries there like I just thought this was a really cool fun issue uh, next up is Batman Eternal 47 as we're finally getting close to the end um, story by Scott Snyder James Tinney and the fourth script itself is by Tim Seeley Ray Fox and Cal Higgins are the consulting writers and then you have uh, Juan Ferreira on art and colors um, the art was for the most part pretty good although there were some there was some haziness at times um, I like how the Bat family is being written throughout this. I think it's really interesting seeing how uh, Julia Pennyworth has actually become a really interesting character in and of herself. Um, seeing all the different uh, kind of Bat family characters going after the villains was really cool as well. And seeing who went after who and what's going on. The kind of the ending with what's actually going on um, at the uh, at the Bat Cave, I, I found a little bit less interesting. Um, mainly because we don't we still don't quite know exactly who it is at least we're getting close to the end so i guess we're finally going to find out what's really going on um so that's batman eternal 47 um overall i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say it was actually pretty good um the art took a little bit of getting used to but then i did enjoy it so i'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of ten next up is batman 39 i was kind of bored by this um i don't think it was nearly as strong as the earliest chapters um, I'm just not, not quite a, a big fan of some of the directions Snyder's going in. Um, Art by Capullo looks great. The um, timeline and narrative um, found at times to be a little, not confusing, but a little unnecessary to kind of go back and forth the way that they were. Um, the whole idea of that maybe Joker is kind of this force that's been around for so many years. That part I don't like. Uh, his old interaction with Pennyworth. Felt a little awkward too. Chopping off Pennyworth's, um, sorry, Alfred's hand, I didn't really like either. The guy's been through a lot just in Batman Eternal, so I thought that was a little excessive. Um, the big parade reminded me a lot of the Tim Burton Batman movie. I wanted them to say, you know, who are you going to trust? Hubba, 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 who are you going to trust? And he didn't. Um, yeah, I, the, and then the teaming, teaming up with the villains is kind of cool, but those same villains are in Batman Eternal and it's kind of taking them all apart, so it's weird to see him kind of teaming up with them. Um, I, it wasn't my favorite, and the art was okay, but 
uh, by Capullo, but it wasn't the strongest either. I'm going to give it a six. Again, it felt very middle of the road and not much more than that. Next up is Darth Vader number two. Uh, so this continues the uh, the run by Kieran Gillen and uh, Salvador La Roca. Um, I really like the first issue of this. This issue I don't think it was as strong, but it was still very enjoyable. Um, something about the artwork looked at times. Uh, Vader didn't necessarily look the greatest. He, it's such a hard character to actually do adequately um, on the on the page. Uh, I did like think the script was pretty strong. Uh, it was kind of a cool kind of done in one um, with Vader kind of. Have, kind of being assigned to someone new's uh, kind of purview uh, in the wake of the Death Star disaster. Um, so he's kind of working for this new Grand Admiral. Uh, he has someone kind of a, um, assigned to kind of um, follows every moves and, re- and report on everything, and, it, and things don't quite turn out the way that they had hoped. But it's actually because of uh, Vader himself making it look like that person was a traitor. Um, very cool. Interesting script, uh, feels very much like the movie Vader. Um, the art at times, again, was a, at times didn't quite work, but there, it hit more often than it missed. Um, and again, I don't think it's as strong as the main Star Wars book, but I do think it's, it's definitely a very interesting and enjoyable read. Um, and, I mean, for fans of the original series, I mean, this is a great book to read. And I think it's really exciting and, again, doesn't quite have the the pacing and the amazing artwork that the main book has, um, but it's still a, a very worthy addition to the Star Wars universe by Marvel. Um, that's 7.5 out of 10. Next up, excuse me, is Deathstroke. Um, and this is issue number two, 5. Uh, this I enjoyed a lot. Um, it's still a little sparse on the story. Um, it, it's, it takes a little while to get going. It's... This issue is mainly uh, a, a really cool sequ- uh, fight sequence, but you know what? I can forgive it that because of how great a fight sequence it is. Uh, as we have Deathstroke going up against um, Batman with Harley Quinn kind of messing around in the background. Um, the art, again, is fantastic. Uh, the way that Deathstroke and Batman had their fight is it's really well choreographed. You feel that they're both kind of fighting you know doing quite well and in terms of the fight like it doesn't feel like it's lopsided you don't feel that there's a lot of favoritism either way even though this is Deathstroke's book uh there's reasons why Batman gets distracted at times there's reasons why Deathstroke isn't doing so well um but it's a, a really enjoyable read um just I mean it's most of the issue is just that fight uh the second half is a little bit kind of dicier as Deathstroke it kind of goes at has Harley Quinn help him to try and find Jericho and um and uh, what's his name? What's her name? Uh, Ravager Rose. Uh, now at the end, uh, the, the, the grandfather of their grandfather, basically Deathstroke's dad, shows up. I did think that throughout the um, portrayal of Jericho, felt younger here than it had in the rest of the series. But overall, still quite enjoyable. Still a good read. Fast paced. It's seven and a half out of ten. Uh, next up is New Avengers number thirty. Uh, as we continue, uh, time runs out. Although I think this was. Not as interesting as some of the other issues have been. Uh, of Time Runs Out, um, it feels like the closer and closer we get, the more info dumps we start getting. And sometimes they're really strong, and sometimes they're a little bit weaker. Uh, I feel like this was one of the ones that was a little bit weaker than most uh, have been. Um, but again, we're, we're getting closer and closer to things kind of really tying together and making a lot more sense. Uh, I do like that cover as well of um, Captain Britain. 
Um, very, very cool. Just to kind of showing him above um, other members of his core, including Spider UK, which was cool. Um, this is picking up, obviously, after the most recent issue where we learned more about the Beyonders. This issue is by Hickman and Dalibor Talajic. Um, we get to see more of Hank Pym's uh, journey. Um, I think the info dump with his journey was a little bit protracted. Um, it didn't really move the story along that much, and it was just more and more of the same. Um, it is interesting to see what happened when he was kind of stowing away on one of the Aleph's, uh, and what they're able to kind of figure out about what's going on in in you know in the multiverse and where they need to go. Um, and also seeing that you know Captain Britain has, has now returned from his own journeys. Uh, again, it was good. I just think some of the previous issues have been better. Um, and the Beyonders, I think, could be a little bit more interesting as well. So far, they're kind of ciphers, and I'm not a huge fan of their design after either. Um, but yeah, and seeing the, the end, too, with uh, the Living Tribunal was kind of cool as well. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give this issue maybe a, a 7. Still good, but not as strong as previous. Actually, no, I'll, I'll demote it to a 6.5, which might seem harsh, but it wasn't as strong as previous issues have been, uh, and noticeably so. Uh, next up is Spider-Gwen, number one. This is kind of one of the biggest releases of the past week. Uh, I really liked it. It was fun. Um, definitely retained kind of its indie sens sensibilities. I'm not a huge fan of the title, but uh, it works. Uh, it's by uh, Jason Latour and uh, Robbie Rodriguez doing the art, with Rico Renzi doing the color art. Um, really, again, fun take on on the kind of Spider-Woman character. Uh, cool take on the Vulture here. Um, we get to see a version of that. I was led to assume Ben Grimm, who's not a member of the Fantastic Four, but here is just a cop. Um, Gwen Stacy's kind of dealing with her own personal life. The fact that her dad wants to talk to her, she's not really, really willing to talk to him. Um, the fact that the mayor is really against Spider-Woman and um, kind of hating on her. We have the deal with their, the, the band that she was part of and quit. The Mary Jane is blowing up. And they're uh, kind of having a crisis uh, in the group as well. Uh, Gwen decides, you know, to try and earn back the kind of love of the people by going up against the Vulture. Um, you know, very kind of cool. It's a distinct sensibility to this series and to this issue. Very different than any other Spider book. Although in some ways similar to the sensibilities of Silk, which felt more like an indie book than a mainstream hero book as well. Um, I dug this quite a lot. Um, I don't know if I was like absolutely raving mad about it but I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 as it was a pretty solid read uh, next up and second last up is uh, Spider-Man 2099 which has got to be it's such a sad book in a lot of ways because it's never really had a the first like five issues had a very clear sense of self and then it got wrapped into Spider-Verse which kind of threw it way off Mark and now we're kind of He's going back to 2099, but it's not the 29 he remembers. Uh, everything's kind of been destroyed. He ends up going up against Maestro, um, which only really works and is cool because it's a Peter David character. I feel like if it was anyone else's character, it would feel more cheap and hackneyed. But because Peter David wrote Hulk for so long and, it, and created the Maestro version of the character, it feels more earned that he's even here. Um, so Spider-Man 2099 goes up against these kind of two guys, uh, able brings uses them to lure him back to a settlement, uh, tries to go up against the guards there, and then is taken out by Maestro, uh, who looks awesome. Uh, and Maestro thinks that it's still Peter Parker time-traveling and not Miguel O'Hara himself. Um, very kind of cool to see 
Maestro fighting's Miguel. Um, I really enjoyed the kind of the fight sequence between the two. Uh, interested to see where they kind of go with this. I don't remember a lot about the strange twenty nine nine character, but I'm excited to see what they do here. Um, at times, I thought this was maybe a little too violent and, and brutal of a book with um, like Maestro being written like the Hollywood sign with people being strapped to it, and then him crushing two people's heads together with a sickening crunch. Kind of disgusting. Uh, a little bit more mature than I would have expected in this book. Uh, Strange looks amazing, although she looks kind of like she's right from a cover. I feel like there was a cover somewhat of this at some point. She looks great, though. Although, looking... I can't even remember who this version of Strange really is, because, again, I don't remember a lot from the 2099 era, because I was really young when it first came out and didn't really read much um, of that particular title. I think Will Slinney's getting even better. Uh, I think this art here looks fantastic. Um, really, really dug it. Um, and I think it's a better, some of the best art he's actually done in this book. Um, so I'm going to give it um, maybe an 8 out of 10. Very solid. And last up is Uncanny Avengers number 2. I wish I felt the same about this. Um, uh, the artwork by Akuna is actually pretty good. It's pretty enjoyable. Uh, I'm still not a huge fan of the story. It's a little overly pontific. It, it's... High Evolutionary does so much pontificating that it just feels like it takes many pages to do something relatively simple. And then uh, he, you know, basically is just being a High Evolutionary, killing all these creations of his because they're not good enough and he's going to build on them. Uh, more of Scarlet Witch and um, Quicksilver most likely being in humans now or something similar to that. I do like how Brother Voodoo is written here. I think it was a really cool concept of uh, him kind of communing with the dead. And speaking to a council of anguish, I really dug that. Um, so I'm going I'm to give it a seven and a half out of ten. Not the strongest read, but it definitely had a lot of uh, strong elements to it. So I'm going to give it a seven and a half. And that is our uh, episode for this week. Thanks for listening to episode one, sorry, two forty nine. Um, as I said, our next episode two fifty will be our conversation with Scott Lobdell, and it's bound to be an exciting and interesting one, um, and a long one. It's over an hour and a half. Um, so join us and that will be in a couple days uh, this episode is probably going up uh, either, either Monday or Tuesday so the next episode will go up either uh, Thursday or Friday so thank you very much for joining us uh, I'm Adam Chapman the host you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes subscribe to us on iTunes and also post in our AC Realm thread when that goes up as well thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time bye bye so if you've ever done something and then realize you completely forgot to do something you usually do because you're almost in a rush by someone, I basically just did that. Every week I talk about all the comics I didn't have a chance to talk about, and they include the following. Ar- Aquaman 39, Archimander 5, Batman 66 number 20, Bodies number 8, Catwoman 39, Earth 2, World's End 21, Effigy number 2, Flash 39, Gotham Academy number 5, Gotham by Midnight number 4, He-Man the Eternity War number 3, Justice League Dark 39, Mad Magazine 532, Mortal Kombat X number 3, New 52 Futures N4, Red Lanterns 39, Sandman Overture number 4, Special Edition, Secret Origins 10, Sinestro 10, Star Spangled War Stories featuring G.I. Zombie number 7, Suiciders number 1, All New Captain America Fear Him number 4, All New Invaders 15, All New X-Men 38, Daredevil 13, Deadpool 42, Fantastic Four 643, and Human number 12, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number 4, Men of Wrath by Aaron and Garney number 5, Secret Avengers 13, Shield number 3, Spider-Man New X-Men number 3, Superior Iron Man number 5, Thor Annual number one and Wolverines number eight. Uh, looking uh, ahead to uh, the coming week, which would be, I guess, March 4th, um, some of the selected um, highlights include um, 
Dead Boy Detectives Trade Paperback Volume 2 Ghost Snow, new issues of Grayson, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern. Um, from the Marvel side, up, an upcoming book includes the following. We've got um, all-new Hawkeye, number one, uh, even though Hawkeye, I believe, hasn't actually ended its run yet. Uh, Avengers, a new chapter of Time Runs Out. There's Princess Leia, number one, uh, which is a big release, as well as Rocket Raccoon, Spider-Woman, number five, Wolverine's number nine, X-Men 25, and something I'm really looking forward to, Supervillains Unite, trade paperback. It's the complete supervillain team-up. Um, it's bound to be a fun read. So that's everything coming out on uh, March 4th. So thanks for joining us again, and now I'm signing off for real. Bye-bye.